There's a dog barking next door, and I can't tell whether this is working properly or if I'm going to sound really, really quiet. So I'll talk very close to the microphone. If I'm getting closer. Hello. Hello. There we go. Hey, welcome to what I am tentatively calling a pessimist is never disappointed. My name is Robin. Robin Smith. You may have heard me. Probably haven't though. And I'm here just to talk by myself about a few things. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've made a, a podcast or done anything along these lines, so um, bear with me. Uh, so, what is this show? Um, it's hard to know really what I wanted to do. I've had an image of of this in my head for a while, but exactly what it would turn out to be, I, I didn't know. Um, it was a case of, I've spent the last three years, five, maybe even, trying to get back into recording and doing stuff um, off my own back, mainly. And that has not worked out so well. Uh, usually because a lot of the projects and ideas I have in mind are solely about getting other people's voices onto a show and then letting them have their say and share their voices. Um, so there isn't just one guy's view on the world. Because... Quite frankly, I know what I like and dislike, so you why think, would I need to hear myself talking about it? Like, what's the point? What's the point of doing anything? What's the point of trying? You're not going to get anywhere. Nobody's interested. Nobody wants to help. And that can be a self-defeating circle sometimes. So I just left it for the longest time. Uh, but I thought recently that this idea was just kind of brewing in my head of just being a bit more honest and uh, doing something that was a bit, I don't know, maybe a little less um, scripted, a little more vloggy, but or, or audio-loggy. Or, or I mean, what would that be? It's not vlog, because it's a video-log. A-log, audio-log. Og, og. Anyway. So I wanted to make something that was entirely just me talking to you about what has been going on and things I have seen and done and my thoughts about those things. And maybe uh, you'll be interested, maybe not, but uh, hopefully within time we'll start getting other people's views on here, getting other people involved in the conversations about uh, the week's goings on. And we can actually... Uh, Expand outward, uh, have a multitude of voices. Um, so this last week, this last three months, um, we, in our house, decided to sign up for cinema cards at uh, for the interest of um, openness and, uh, you know, 
I've lost the word entirely what it is I was trying to say. Um, in the interest of being open and honest about uh, how we're seeing all these films, you know, we we uh, got a cinema card, the unlimited card from Cine World, and uh, that's priced at seventeen ninety nine a month, but it allows for complete and utter unlimited access to as many movies as you want. As often as you want. I just yawned there. So we get to go to two movies and we've paid for the card. Um, so we've been able to go to more movies. We can go if we have a week off or a month off from day jobs or if we just quit our day jobs and coast along on, on what little money we've got left. We could go feasibly every single day, all day long, with no applications or repercussions. So from Eventual starvation from having no money. So that's been what I've been doing for the last few months, is going to see a lot more movies. On top of that, I've been going into um, second-hand stores, um, pound stores, for those who uh, are in America or other countries pound stores or the, there's see we grew up over here with uh, stores that sold things for a pound and they'd be the pound store or the 99p store but they were always like independent one-off shops you know some random families bought a shop and they just start selling things for 99p it's cheap to get stuff in and uh, they were everywhere but they they weren't a brand um but these days we have two full-on established brands that deal with selling things for a pound. Um, the the Poundland or Pound World, if I remember correctly, Poundland's the way to go because Poundland's kind of the new kid on the block in the Pound Wars, um, at least in our area. But uh, you know. One pound world, not as good as one pound land. Uh, either way, go in either of those shops, don't eat the bacon. Take it from me. Um, that's pretty much their tagline. Pound land, don't eat the bacon. Uh, so, you know, there's one of those shops just opened up near me. Um, really near me, like local shops near me. Um, so it's been, when I go out, and I've got a few minutes to go, I'll wander in there. Um, while covering my face so nobody sees me. And uh, they have a DVD selection. And occasionally you'll find uh, oddities there, like, I mean, for prime example, the other week, I would say a couple of weeks ago, they had a selection of UMDs, of all things, um, all movies, Today, I managed to find a single copy of Metal Gear Solid 2, the special edition version with the DVD in it and everything, uh, on PS2 for a pound in that section. And occasionally you'll find Blu-rays in there for a pound. So, you know, it's usually tat, but I've been going into that shop and fishing out the prime film gold that is sitting, waiting to be to be rescued. That's the way I see it. I see it going into 
second-hand shops and Poundland stores and um, places like CEX where they sell lots of damaged or second-hand games and DVDs and things like that. I see going in them places and buying things for cheap as rescuing them. Um, this may partly come from my history with CEX as I used to work upstairs in the warehouse uh, of our local shop and we would be responsible for putting together component parts as they came in from other stores or from, from being bought by stores from customers and they've got scratches or they're missing cases and things like that and you'd, you'd print out new covers and put them in new cases or replacement cases or spare cases and clean up the discs if you could and you'd build up stock for the local vicinity so that became a bit of a habit of wanting to rescue these things you know give them a chance at a new life but then there's an element of uh, the archivist in me who wants to save these things so I go out and I, I find joy in collecting and saving these things and so we've built up a bit of a collection of DVDs and Blu-rays now um, and to the point where I've started fishing around online for HD DVDs as well, which is surprisingly hard to find. It's hard to find HD DVDs or HD DVD players. Um, so I took the momentous decision to delete the Xbox 360 um, software install, the front end, and uh, and its updates. Let's go with the base uh, Xbox 360 um, um, firmware and this allowed for me to use the uh, HD DVD player that's been sitting around my house for a few years now because not too long ago uh, Microsoft decided to patch out HD DVD player compatibility with their console and while that might make sense if it was a problem but I don't see how it could have been. It's a device that people have bought. Some people are bound to still own it. And what's wrong with allowing them to continue to use it? It doesn't prevent you from doing anything else on the console. It allows, even actually provides an extra USB port. So there are no downsides to being able to use it. Um, aside from the fact that now, because the firmware doesn't exist, I can't do any this was 360 based things online unless I'm using the Xbox One and I have an Xbox One we have uh, every console you can imagine here that is a mainline console to, so to speak so um, if it's a general console most households had or would have had at some point you've probably got it sitting around the house uh, some of in less con good condition than others, but they're here, here. And I wanted to start picking up other older consoles, Neo Geo's pockets and um, Atari 2600's replacements and um, Wonder Swans and from our more obscure things than that, but I want to get into collecting those things too because I like to keep games alive. I like to look after them if I can. Maybe it's just a romantic notion, but yeah, I've always wanted to set up an archive 
and allow people access to it. So one day I'd like to try and do that properly. But as a consequence of all this collecting, like I say, lots of DVDs, lots of Blu-rays, HD DVDs, access to both Amazon and uh, Netflix, and also just lots of visits to Cineworld. So the last few weeks, there have been a few films of note. Um, we've seen a lot more than these. But uh, first up, we'd like to talk about uh, Lego Batman movie, which was entirely what you would have expected if you'd gone to see uh, the Lego movie. Um, yep, you know, funny, vibrant, entertaining, um, fun characters pretty much all around. You know, the, the unique ability of making a comic book superhero film with more characters and more villains than any other before and having it not only not muddle and ruin the film but actually be the best one of the best films in that genre and um, featuring Batman as a character let alone the lead in couple of decades maybe you know I thought well of the uh, Dark Knight trilogy but um, not it was still missing something I think I think people think fondly of uh, films when they come out and are unwilling to step back and assess things based on you know what are they supposed to be trying to do what are they trying to do you know, uh, what's the character really like? Is this a good representation? You know, um, I mean, it's not like it's the Assassin's Creed series and the film that's just come out at the beginning of the year, the end of last year for that, because that's a terrible film and it has terrible editing and it feels like there should be a longer, longer film there and they haven't stuck to any characters, so... You can excuse its problems because it's not representing characters, but is, is it going for the feel of the games? You know, these things have to come up. But after having seen Assassin's Creed with somebody else who's an Assassin's Creed fan and hearing them talk about it in a very positive light, while simultaneously being disappointed once again, um, not like I say, I'm not a fan of Assassin's Creed as a game series, but just as a film, as a piece of entertainment, as a piece of logical, coherent filmmaking, uh, it misses the mark so many different areas. It's just disappointing. And and you look at Lego Batman and you say, well, that's it's a Lego movie. It's not really a Batman movie, but it it knows exactly what it is. And you go in with a certain amount of expectation and it hits the mark because it does things right for itself while still t staying true and to the legacy of the character. We, kn we know from the Lego movie that this version of Batman is what he is. So you go in with less weight 
than the other versions of Batman. Um, but yet he still comes across as a true version of the Cape Crusader. Um, just maybe the best parody movie of all time, the best parody of that character. Um, and all versions of that character. The, the rogues gallery as well, being a, a great standout and uh, fun part of the, the experience. It just it leans into the colourful and the entertaining and the funny and the, the the world of Batman is just so full and varied that it can get away with its vibrancy. Um, the, the big twist being that actually the, the villains of the film aren't the villains of the film, but villains from uh, other universes and other bits of media, um, thanks to Lego and its diverse range of, of franchise uses. Um, you know, anything's possible, so it's, it's interesting to see you know, Batman going up against unexpected foes. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about that. I don't want to ruin it too much. Um, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's very fun. Um, a special nod to whoever decided to put um, Friends Are Awesome or whatever the song is called at the end credits where it's just a, just a fun pop music, uh, a pop video about friendship with all the cars dancing around, bright colours everywhere. It's just... Yeah, just brilliant little movie. Um, another film of note this month has been A Cure for Wellness, which was an interesting psychological thriller. At least it felt like it was going to be one going in um, with you know, hits of horror. Um, and it feels like a... a, a it's not a bad experience, but it was most definitely a disappointing one. Um, it feels like a film of three parts, but not in the traditional sense of, you know, a story being in thirds. And it feels like the last third, maybe the last fifth, if we want to strip it down, was somebody else's vision getting involved that the an already quite long film instead of cutting they decided to add to the end in order to give it some sort of narrative coherence so there's a point like I say about two thirds maybe four fifths of the way through where it turns from a psychological thriller where you don't know what's going on that feels like it's ended twice already <laughs> to a strange reimagining modern take of the gothic horror we go from this could be a dream this is this is potentially madness um the hints of jacob's ladder and amazing cinematography and visual styling going on to there is a, I mean, literally a Dracula sort of substitute, and he's a cackling villain, 
and there's fires and the, essentially a castle on a hill burning down and there's a, there's a villain being fought and then a strange sort of disjointed ending and the ending is fine because it fits in with the general feel of the film is you're not quite sure of what's true and what's not true and what's honest um but the film itself in adding this bit at the end is is saying this is all every single thing you see happening is happening um so don't question it and that feels like somebody else has gone in and said i don't understand what's going on in this film let's just put this bit on the end because the ambiguity that was really interesting is completely gone but the way the film ends leaves that ambiguity there in a really confusing way it's hard to explain without seeing the film um, the, the, the story centres on a businessman a young one um, having to go and collect his uh, one of his CEOs CEOs from a uh, was supposed to be a spa or health clinic, but is referenced by other characters uh, uh, in the local village as a sanatorium. So, you, so you don't know quite what's what the place is supposed to be. But um, this young businessman is trying to patch up a mistake he's made. He's doing this to clear his name and um, save the company he works for to an extent. And he goes to collect this man and then ends up trapped at this location by circumstance and then by uh, the machinations of uh, a villainous or eventually villainous character. And how he is slowly falling ill and maybe going mad or maybe dreaming or having a nightmare or um, maybe being lied to by people and there's lots of threads that come up that never go anywhere and lots of surreal images that come up like that of an incredibly young looking woman while this our lead character is in the middle of a submerged um, sensory deprivation tank this young nurse comes in, distracts the person who is looking after this gentleman, and she does so by revealing her breasts to this random uh, reception uh, nurse assistant, and uh, it's revealed that she's got incredibly old, saggy breasts. And then he starts masturbating for no reason whatsoever. Maybe, I mean, for the reason of there's a woman there and she's got her breasts on the show but um, and then our lead character almost drowns and then there's nothing nothing happens, no mention of it there's no reason for it to be happening there's no real explanation as to whether or not this is a very old woman who looks very young or a very young woman with some sort of strange body issues um, and you're like what I don't understand why that was shown what, what did that do um, and there's people going around taking vitamins that are, or what's supposed to be vitamins that is heavily implied as either piss or sweat 
Um, and you find out it's probably sweat later. Uh, and there's a scene with um, of torture of some kind, but then later on you see the you see that the ill effects of this torture have completely vanished. So you don't know what's quite going on, and and this is all intriguing to an extent because again, this could be a dream, this could be fantasy or madness. And then suddenly you get that turn, and for the third time, our lead character is snapped out, our protagonist is snapped out of his weird dreamlike state, and he's rescuing a girl who's being um, attacked by someone, and then he's fighting this cackling supervillain. And then you get the odd ending. Uh, another and and at that point it's it's very odd because it's just like suddenly it's all matter of fact and there's no real tied up narrative strands you just kind of there's a couple of bits that are mentioned to in the film that come together but aside from that off he goes into the woods and you're you're like I don't know if that was satisfying in any way shape or form it was nice to look at and but I don't I don't quite get it, and I like uh, interesting or psychologically uh, challenging movies. I, I I prefer them to standard films because I think all mediums or you know creative mediums should try to do something different. You know, let's have a billion films with beginning, middles, and ends, and comprehensive stories and understandable narratives is fine for things to deliberately go off the deep end and be a bit odd or or not make sense or not have a story at all or just be i mean i i'm interested in something that does something different i'm bored by um you know the standard but the fact that this film feels like it's not doing that on purpose or it is and then it isn't somebody's messed something up along the way that the vision has changed that leaves a sort of sour taste in the mouth um, no pun intended so it's it's an interesting film and I think it's one I would like to see again just so I can reassess what I think about it I encourage other people to go see it I do um, if you get the chance and it made me think about the uh, real lack of horror films today i mean around the same time as this coming out a few a couple of weeks later we've got get out um and about a month before it there was rings which was a very limited release compared to most films and i'm sitting there at the end of the film and i'm just thinking about how there aren't many horror films or many types of horror films now um, a lot of it's the same sort of thing some the bulk of it straight to video, um, very limited runs. There's no real interesting ideas going on in horror anymore. Um, at least not as many as there are in other genres of film. And while I am somebody who who believes that genre as a concept is kind of needless now, be less so with film because it helps to categorise things to a bit, so that. You can market and sell it and make people capable of understanding what a film is trying to do. 
once again, it's that I'm interested in films that aren't trying to do a specific thing or aren't going to be pinned down. So um, the idea of genres have always been a little odd to me anyway. Um, but it's even more so in, in video games. It's like the idea of having a genre for different types of film or different types of game. Like the amount of different new types of concepts in video games that are created every week. Um, eventually you run out of ways of describing things which is why roguelike and dark souls like and uh, terms along those lines have become overused and clunky and confusing uh, and many times inaccurate so I dislike that we feel the need to liken things to each other but I understand why that happens it's a, to it's a topic I want to talk about again in the future to a far greater degree than I am now. Um, beyond those two films, uh, we also managed to get out to see uh, Hidden Figures this past month. And um, this was about two weeks after we had been out to see Loving I mention them both because they, they have some crossover. They're set in a difficult time in, you know, modern American history where, you know, um, your racial laws and, you know, uh, institutional racism is taking place. And they're both seen from the views of, you know, um, young black women and... Uh, their positions in society at the time um, and interracial couples and things like that. And in the case of Hidden Figures, you know, it leans more into the romanticized notions of um, the space program than the, the, the honest and true stories involved in the women involved in those things the black women who are, are reflected in those stories. Um, and while Hidden Figures is a fantastic little film, it makes mistakes along the way, it feels like, um, that reduce its impact, that make it less, make it less of the film it was while it was being filmed. It feels like the, the post-production process and some of the voices involved have hampered its potential, have um, taken incredibly good performances and soured them slightly. This happens far more in the case of, you know, looking at the societal problems outside of NASA, uh, but even more so with the the antagonists, um, and, and should I say antagonists? What I'm talking about, protagonists, um, lives outside NASA and they have, with their families. Like you see, one of the women go home, and she's single parent. She's also already a genius, and she's she's living with her mother. And then it's revealed she's got her kids, three kids, I think. And then you, you see them and they're pristine, they're perfect kids, they're little angels, there's, there's not a single conflict in the home. 
Like, you have never seen a nicer group of children in your life. And while that's complimentary to both the, the actors portraying them, the script for portraying them in such a nice way, and for, you know, maybe they're an honest representation of them very children, but nobody is is that nice as a kid. I mean, they're, they're sort of the fairy tale representation of children. Um, and so you never really get any idea of conflict outside of work. You never really get an idea of any struggle or any difficulty aside from the fact that they, they inferred, obviously, these people who are growing up in a society that's making it difficult in the sense of they're being paid less and they're, they're having to live in a, uh, a, a place with unjust rules and laws. But it's not really reflected and it's not, you don't see them really challenging it. When it comes to inside NASA, it is there, but it's more like you get Kevin Costner saving the day by knocking down a sign and and everybody gets their humility moment when they're and in a fantastic moment in the film. There's a well performed um moment where our protagonist she she just explodes in emotion and and she is honest and angry and raw and it's an amazing moment, amazing performance. She's talking about how the other people around her are reacting to her and how little she's paid and how she could never afford pearls and she's crying and she's angry and you can feel all these emotions and she leaves with her head up and you think this is an amazing performance. But it's, it doesn't... Beyond one of the characters being consistently rude, it doesn't feel like it's specific... Yeah, like I can't pinpoint exactly what's wrong with the film, but there's something not right there. And this kind of this is more noticeable in the time period and representation of the time period, where you have good music, a good score. You've got good representations of um, music of the period, and then you have, for no reason whatsoever, you have modern pop music used and it feels like they've gone from period drama to modern day comedy bad modern day comedy and it's it's recurring use of the same song that is like entirely on the nose because it's referencing what's happening physically and you're thinking oh, no, first time I can ignore it because it's I mean it's out of place it ruins the entire film right now it's kind of disconnected me from the time period and what's going on but okay and and what's supposed to be happening to this woman is is she's she's seeing the ill effects of that time period and it's it's notions of how it should treat people and yet it's become a light-hearted thing it's totally at odds with what's happening and then it happens again and you think okay um sure i mean this is really odd now, it's awkward, it's, and you've played the same song. It's not that they've used another light-hearted song, they've used the same one three times, and you think that this is really distracting, this is kind of ruining the vibe of the film, it's ruining what this is about. And you get that, and and 
a lot of conflicting and disjointed editing choices that, you know, once again, hyper-focus the, the story on the NASA side of things, but kind of just give you tiny chunks of anything outside of NASA. And that's, yeah, it's appropriate, but the, the, the balance is too far in, in one angle, too far into the NASA side of things. There's not enough of that humanity being shown. Um, so it, it just feels a little off. It just feels like something's not quite right. So if somebody else had gone in and edited it differently, they'd, they'd stripped out them as music choices. Um, that would have been a much stronger film. But then you've got, you know, against that, you've got Loving, which in its depiction of an interracial couple and the things they were going through at that time period, um, and unjust laws. It's a very quiet, very honest, very human, and very real feeling depiction of events. You don't get the big courtroom moment. You don't get the big um, events. You don't even get uh, some sort of big tragedy happening to these people. You get the, the honest, raw truth of what's happening, and the performances encompassing that and those those retellings are so real that it feels entirely right. It feels entirely right of its time. It doesn't lean into modern music or any tropes to, to make it feel more compelling or appealing to a, to a modern audience. It just feels like a very raw and heartfelt film that takes the same emotional stance that its, its characters do. It's it's just... I found it very affecting. I found it very affecting, very honest. And it is a better film. Do I think you shouldn't see one over the other? No, I think you should see both. I think they're doing very different things when it comes to the story they're trying to tell. Where Hidden Figures is a very good film that fails in certain areas, Loving is just pitch perfect. It's not the greatest film of all time, and a lot of people won't find its quietness and its honesty, you know, entertaining or comfortable watch. You know, it goes on for quite a while, but it doesn't overstay its welcome. I can see that other people would sit there and be bored or not as engaged as they maybe could be in other types of films. I think it's a far more honest film and far more true to the events that it's depicting than Hidden Figures is. Especially because even if you ignore any flaws in Hidden Figures, it invented a person for Kevin Costner to play so that they could have a heroic um, white male figure do something very nice for these uh, other characters. At least it feels like they did. Um, and his performance is fine, don't get me wrong, but it just, it just doesn't 
everything just feels a little off with that film and I, I can't I can't quite pinpoint exactly why but I think there is a disbalance there I think it's trying too hard to be a bit of a comedy as well as a bit of a drama um, and it's not what it could have been the last film I want to talk about is uh, the one we went to see yesterday which was uh, Beauty and the Beast the remake not the Disney original and I may point out the Disney remake of the Disney original not the original or a remake of another version because obviously much like Dracula and uh, I don't know uh, The Invisible Man yeah that'll do much like those films and stories it's been retold and remade so many times but um, I can't say I went in and saw anything more of a oh it's a film that left me feeling quite emotionless. There was, it, it was missing so much. It's it's weird seeing a film, a live action film, Disney's strange obsession with making live action versions of classic Disney animations when they could just make new animations or new live action films. Who knows why they're wasting money doing that? people are buying tickets to go see them so you know fair play but it feels like a needless cash in um and one that has far less soul than some of the others they've done recently for all of um the problems with uh, uh alice in wonderland the tim burton films at least they were trying to be different and even though they're awful I mean, objectively just terrible. At least they succeeded in being different. Um, but with, with Beauty and the Beast, you get a film that is almost not shot for shot, but, you know, line for line, song for song, a remake of a film that already exists, but with some padding thrown in there. So you've got some changes to scenes and some events that don't happen have been put in and a few new songs but like all but one of the new songs are terrible um the only one that really the new ones the only one that really has any sort of good place in the film is one that the beast sings as bell is leaving um which feels like both uh a well-written song um, but also an honest moment for that character. It feels like an appropriate positioning, placement of a song, and you see it's sung very well, it's performed very well. So it it was a good addition to the film. You could imagine going back and having that song recorded and put into the animated film, and it would add to it. But then you go in and you see all of the original songs re-recorded and it all just feels not just in the sense of M. Watson's acting but wooden incredibly wooden like all of the songs all of the the performances bar one or two are either very very dry and wooden and 
not very interesting um, or, or in a couple of cases a bit insulting I mean there has been a big news I might say big I say noticeable news story run on the idea of the film being banned or uh, restricted in Russia because of the inclusion of a homosexual character um, and there's two issues with that one it's not actually made clear that any character is homosexual uh, one of them is hinted at being maybe this is why he's not getting any girlfriends or women interested in him therefore he might be gay um, and there's another character that is camp in a couple of scenes and then there's a joke that the payoff is this person is now dressed as a woman and they like it um, and last I saw heard that's not the same as being gay that's more in line with potentially being trans but again either way the other issue with that is that that is a payoff to a joke it's not that this person is and I'll be honest they didn't depict the character in a negative light they're, they're supposed to be a sword-wielding um, relatively heroic looking although fighting for the villains um, sort of village member so they're relatively tough and strong because they, they're fighting with a sword but the payoff to the joke is oh look that a man likes dressing as a woman <laughs> isn't that funny and it feels like it's Disney's idea of um, representation of a gay or trans person um, and their way of saying uh, the joke is that they're gay or trans um, and that's not that's not really a character or a person that's just kind of a punchline and it feels kind of off um, but like I say they don't represent that character as being shameful or negative in any way it's more a case of they might be it's implied heavily they are um, and they feel relatively comfortable and happy in the moments you see them but it's still maybe stereotyping it's difficult it's, it's a difficult one to look at um, you know screw Russia for you know banning anything involving people who are gay or have any sort of other um, representations on film you know there's not a lot we can do in the West about that except you know mention it talk about it you know fight for the rights of other people but um, it also is a non-existent thing in this film blink and you miss it sort of thing so the whole story is ridiculous but you get beyond that you get Gaston where um, it's a fantastic performance but it's a case of him working with what he can what he's got as best he can and the voice acting on the beast is okay because it's primarily, I assume, CGI uh, with some, like somebody probably in some sort of bodysuit, but the face is probably CGI. Exactly how they did it, I don't know. Um, so that's to say voice acting on the whole. But aside from that, and the fact that um, 
Ewan McGregor is almost completely unrecognisable, both in candle or candelabra form and human form as Ewan McGregor. Um, it's it's just disappointing across the board. <clears throat> and you think, why we make this film? Why we make it shot for shot, essentially, and make it less interesting than the original? It's, I mean, if you um, look at that opening song where uh, Belle is dancing through the town and collecting her books and everybody's singing about her, her being odd, the cartoon, the animated version of that song, Belle is interacting with other characters. She's got motion in her dancing. She's, her emotions are, are flowing through her body. And there's vibrancy there. But Emma Watson, they've made her just stroll along the street. And there's a bit where she hops across some stones. And, and that's her supposed to be distracted. But you, you, you notice in the animated film, Belle is, you know, when she's singing about the, the baker, he's, he's got some vibrancy. He's got character to him. He's not just a man with a moustache staring forward. <laughs> It's, it's it's so ridiculous. It really is. There's a there's a there's a bit in the song. It's, it's a classic bit in the song where she opens a book and she's talking about her favourite bit of the book. Where she, the character's meeting Miss Prince Charming, but she's not going to know till later. And in the in the animated film, Belle sings to a small child. It's a one-way conversation, but it's especially the interaction between two characters. She's that line has a purpose and a place both in the universe of the world and in the song. It, may, it makes sense. That it's, it's connected to an action. In the case of Emma Watson, she's saying, look at this bit, it's my favourite bit, to absolutely no one at all. There's, there's a complete disconnect. And she's doing it while staring straight forward and occasionally looking down at the, the book. And it just it feels like... It feels like she's just playing just another airheaded teenager. She doesn't doesn't make sense. It's insane. And every song is like that. Every song is a bit disconnected. The only song that has any sort of you know feeling to it is "Be My Guest" or "Be Our Guest," should I say? And then that it's a not as good version of that song as the original one. Um, and there's no consequences to that performance. In the original film, as far as my memory serves me, the beast reacts to the noise. But in this film, there's there's nothing. There's, there's, I mean, maybe I'm misremembering. I should have to go and watch Beauty and the Beast now, and then I, if I'm wrong, I'll have to own up to it next time. But it just feels empty. It's it's, it's like it the things it gets right. It only gets right because it's copying the original. And everything else is just, it's just wooden, it's just empty, it's just feelings, it has no vibrancy, no energy to it, it has, it's just a shot for shot remake. The, the scenes where Belle is falling for the beast, despite the fact that he's holding her prisoner, and in the original film, you, it feels earned, it feels like you can see in her body motion, in her emotion, in her face, in her eyes, 
you see her physically falling for him to an extent as well as represented in this one there's a, you see the same things happening but you know you don't really it isn't really earned it's not there for real I don't know it just doesn't feel right um, so we left disappointed from that one I almost for the first time in ages I almost got a little tired and fell asleep because it was just there were points in there it was completely uninteresting um, uh, anyway we've gone on for almost an hour talking about films I haven't even got to anything else yet um, but I think I'll leave it for now yeah <laughs> uh, you know I don't want this to come across as me disliking films I, I didn't have major problems with a film that's competent but it's just that it was just missing so much, you know. Anyway, um, next time I'll talk a bit about some other films and, and games and stuff. I didn't want this to be a show where we go on for a long time, but as this is the first episode and this is just a pilot where we're testing out the equipment, seeing what we can do, um, you know, we've gone on a little bit longer than I expected. Uh, so we'll talk about some games and stuff. TV shows, there's a lot more to talk about next time but I would like to hear from you if you've listened or if you're somebody who's going to be listening and then you are listening now and you want to, you get what I mean if you've heard all this and you're listening to me now hi um, feel free to contact me via my email I want to find you know, different people's thoughts on the films and topics we've talked about uh, each week and also, I would like just some other things to come in. Any views, anything you've seen, any opinions. Um, if you're interested in being on the show and having a talk about what we've been doing, what we've been seeing, you know, also feel free to uh, hit me up at cbutsu at gmail.com. That is S-E-I-I-B-U-T-S-U at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at cbutsu. Um, I'm not spelling it again. Um, I'd like to start having conversations with people as part of this show. So if you're free um, and interested, if only one-offs or if you want to keep coming on, I'd love to have somebody else here to just counteract my views or just talk to me about things um, or introduce me to new things because I think that's important. I'll be here forever complaining about stuff. Uh, but now I'm going to go off and play Overwatch on both Xbox One and PS4. Play Gigantic on Xbox One. Probably play a little tiny bit of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, maybe get into um, uh, Fallout something or other. Fallout... Uh, Shelter and probably a bit of Fallout 4 and a bit of Fallout 3 and Skyrim is in my mind at the moment um, because of the modding and a thousand different things. Oh, I've only had more time. Never enough time in the day. Uh, anyway, 